Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Today we're going to talk about employment law for cosmetic and plastic surgeons. Um, This seems to be kind of a big trending issue right now in many aesthetic practices across the country. And our guest today is Grace Godlaski. Grace is the HR advisor at Cedar HR Solutions. Um, Grace is an Arizona attorney who graduated from Georgia State University. Um, She has focused her legal career on employment and educational law and is such a great source for our listeners to really learn more about just how, you know, they can have a much better understanding of employment law in the cosmetic practice. Grace, welcome to Aesthetic Insider Radio. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. You know, I do find this quite a fascinating subject because there's been, you know, so many laws are changing constantly in terms of, you know, how a physician should be managing his staff or her staff. Um, So before we kind of delve into, you know, some of the tips I know you want to offer to our listeners, um, Grace, can you explain what Cedar HR Solutions does and kind of what your role is at the company? Sure. Uh, At CEDAR, we provide uh, employee handbooks and human resources employment law support uh, to independent healthcare employers across the country. We have people in all 50 states. Um, Our handbooks and our guidance are customized for each business. We look at industry, state, size, personal preferences, um, and we offer not only the handbook product but ongoing support to manage your team. You know, I find it interesting that you use the word business because, you know, um, I, I do know even from many of the physicians that I have worked with in the aesthetic arena and in other medical specialties, um, especially when it's a, a non-hospital-based physician in a small practice um, or small to mid-sized practice, that they use the term practice when, in essence, it truly is a business. And, um, mm. you know, I think that's something that I really do like to try and get across is, you know, this is a business that they're running and it should be run like any other business. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I do feel is, you know, plastic and cosmetic surgeons, I mean, obviously they're very bright, smart people. It, it's often assumed that they know more about the important small details of a business such as employment law, you know, which is necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you feel that this assumption kind of makes them more of a target for non-compliance with employment law than perhaps other businesses? Definitely. Um, This industry is more of a target in a couple of ways. Um, You know, I I think first, because often they're perceived as deep pockets. You know, these, these businesses are... Um, you know, hopefully successful, and employees and their plaintiffs' attorneys often perceive it that way, whether that's really true or not true. Um, the, the other reason, and this might really come as a surprise to some listeners, is that, uh, you know, the, the healthcare industry, when we're talking generally, um, but that would include, you know, cosmetic surgeons, plastic surgeons, um, is actually targeted right now by the Department of Labor. Uh, the DOL's current initiative um, has singled out just the healthcare industry in general as being one that struggles with compliance. Um, and it's, it's impossible for, for busy, you know, practitioners, 
uh, to keep up with the latest developments in the law, um, which is why we really feel that working with an expert is so important. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, um, I mean, in my findings, or you know, what I have is I, I do feel, especially when again, and I talk aesthetics rather than general medical because that mm-hmm. is what a lot of our listeners, you know, they are from that that particular right. niche within the medical community. Um, I, I think that they um, they're busy, you know, we're busy, and I and and I think you know many of them feel well, I've you know, I've got an office manager and she's taking care of things, or he's taking care of things. I've got a business manager, you know, I have a consultant, and we have an employee handbook. Um, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think that they realise, you know, that it is a changing world, and um, as as much as many of them do have long term loyal employees who would never have any kind of an issue um it's a changing world and you know and so i think one of the things you know that i would like to kind of have you explain a little bit more to us is when you talk about the employee handbook i mean they're not just generic templates um, from what i understand and and cedar does kind of write each one specifically for the, for an individual mm-hmm. practice is that the case right uh we do they are not generic templates um, it, it's a pretty comprehensive book, um, and you know it's it's a you know we we all we we kind of start with a particular direction that is geared from so uh, you know we, we would start with an aesthetic you know focus on the uh, on the product, and then we'd look to how big is this business? Um, we would look to where is this business located? Not just state, but locally. You know, there are, you know, local ordinances, city laws that come into play. So we would analyze that. Um, And then we have a conversation, you know, with an expert, someone like myself, to talk about personal preference of the business. So it's definitely not a click, download, and go uh, sort of approach. Um, And oftentimes with these laws, there are choices that that you as a business owner, practice owner, have. And so we offer expertise and advice in saying, well, this choice might be better for you because you're at this size. Or you sound like you're too busy to track every nuance of this law, so maybe you want to comply with it in this way. This might be easier for you. So we do a lot of that type of conversation when we're developing the product with you. Now, why do you think, um, and and I'm not sure if you can actually answer this question, if there's any rhyme or reason Mm -hmm. to it, but why do you think the Department of Labor has chosen to look more into the medical, you know, the the, the goings on within a medical practice? Hmm. I think it, the one of the biggest reasons, um, and of course at Cedar we're we're employer advocates, so everything that we um, look at is kind of going to have that little tint to it. But one of the biggest reasons is. Um, it's a, it's a little bit of an easy target because if you look at some of the common mistakes that are made in the industry when you're talking about you know employee issues, um, they're easy to identify and they're a good source of revenue uh, for for the DOL and for the different um, bodies that fall under that uh, that division. So one example is classification of is someone an employee or an independent contractor. 
um, you know, that's something that's really, there's a, there's a lot of enforcement in that area in this field going on right now. Uh, it's an area that is easy to get wrong, and it's one that's really low-hanging fruit. Um, and, and obviously, if you're not doing it right, there are fines, penalties, and financial uh, consequences for the business. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons why it was targeted. Okay, that makes absolute sense mm-hmm. because I do know, I mean, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of physicians with nurses and anesthesiologists, you know, and, and different, you know, consultants within a practice that, you know, we all kind of want a 1099 everybody, but that's not always the right. case if they do more hours for exactly. you than or work right. on the premises and, you know, I would say other things like that. Well, you right, know, one of the, right. One and of, of course, questions. on the employee advocate side, you'd get a different answer that this is, you know, to help employees and make sure they're properly classified. So that's the other side of it, just in the interest of, of fairness. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, and then I would imagine any kind of state contributions that the employer has to make. You know, we want to make sure those get paid too. <laughs> so. Cor- correct. Well, you know, one thing is I do know, you know, laws, you know, obviously from state to state um, are not all exactly the same. And, you know, sometimes state laws are different or, you know, can possibly even be contradictory to federal laws. Um, So how do you as an attorney, you know, based at CEDAW, um, and you're located in Arizona, how do you respond to, you know, legal employment questions for an aesthetic surgeon that is perhaps in New York, California, or Chicago, or some other state? Right. It's a great question. Um, and, you know, without getting too much into specifics of our systems, I'll say that we keep up with laws in all 50 states using information aggregation. Um, there are many systems that'll, that you can use to do this. Um, and as an attorney, you can always look up a law. You can always look up a federal, state, local law. Um, so the information part is actually not the difficult part of the process from my perspective. Um, Analyzing things like size of business and applicability of the law is the tricky part. And that's why having a real live human you know, who customizes your handbook or who's giving you advice on a particular situation um, is the extreme value of what we do here at Cedar. And it's one of the most gratifying things I think about uh, my job because we actually get to talk to people about their individual needs, their individual goals, and we'll even analyze things like, hey, what have you done in the past so that we can make this better going forward for you in the future? You know, um, I have a question about kind of like pre-existing employee legal problems. So if I, Mm -hmm. for instance, I'm a physician and I'm actually not a client of CEDA or I become a client of CEDA, but I have you know, kind of like insurance companies won't insure you if you have a pre-existing medical problem. How does CEDA work with um, a practice if they do have any kind of pre-existing issues with employees? Right. It's a great question. Um, you know, they sort of hate to hate to be the classic attorney and say it depends, but it would probably really depend. Um, we'll always entertain a question. So we will always see what the question is first. Um, Sometimes people come to us with existing issues that we help them solve. So if they've been trying to work someone out of the business and terminate, we can help wrap that process up in a way that is safe if if it's a risky situation. Um, If they've been, um, maybe if they weren't aware of a law that existed before, we can get them back on track, you know, get a policy in place, get them, um, you know, right that ship in a way that is safe. 
Um, but but other times, you know, that if there's already litigation with an employee that's going on, we'll try to point the individual in the right direction, but we may not be able to, to, to assist too much with that. Um, but our goal really is to prevent the issues and solve them when they come up. And I think overwhelmingly we're successful at meeting that goal uh, wherever people come to us in the process. So whether it's a problem that doesn't yet exist or an existing problem, we really are solution-focused. Now, I do understand that client education is, is quite an important part of the whole support system at CEDA, um, HR Solutions you know, and what you bring to the, the doctor's medical practice and business. Now, in your capacity as an attorney, do you also participate in that client education program? Oh, absolutely. Um, as advisors, we don't just speak to people about their individual issues, but we also turn our information, our research, into resources that can be used by our members. So we're always drafting articles, you know, creating podcasts, sending out email updates to educate our members. Um, one, you know, one recent one is everyone's heard on the news. Yes, uh, two days ago they released the the new uh, Department of Labor overtime rules. Those have changed, so that's the big news right now. Um, and what we do is, you know, educate people. What do those mean for you in your business? And uh, that's just one recent example of the education side of what we're doing. Oh, and that is, I'm sure, is a big one because, I mean, I even know for physicians, I mean, they work such long days <laughs> themselves, you know. I mean, many start surgery at 6 a.m. and they're already kind of scrubbing in and prepping earlier than that. And then, you know, they're still doing conducting business meetings after hours, you know, after doing such a long day and the staff are right there with them, you know. Um, I mean, I know it's a different front you know, front office staff versus back office staff, but many of them do long days. And so I think that is great that especially if there are now overtime laws that, you know, many of them may not even know about, but that as a company you do, you know, continuously educate on things like that. You know, we we did we talk, do. you know, about the employee handbook, which I do kind of want to get back into that just a little bit. And, um, you know, I I understand that your employee handbook is is not a template you know it is um specifically produced for an individual practice um have you ever had the the time where you've done a handbook and perhaps something a issue arose that was not covered in the handbook does that oh, ever happen oh absolutely yeah so so all the time um you know we we write these handbooks as an and it's really important to kind of understand that a handbook is something that you're giving to your employee. It's an outward facing document, right? And so you know, your employees are reading it and you're not always able to cover every issue and it's not always in your best interest to cover every issue in a document that your employees are going to read. Sometimes you have a choice as to how to comply with the law, and you don't need to spell that out for your employees. You just need to be making those decisions on the back end. Um, so while the handbook is very comprehensive and it's a good starting point for almost every employee issue and it covers you know, all of your legal minimum, um, having that additional resource of someone, you know, an advisor to speak with about these issues when they pop up, 
and having resources available to give you the ability to make an informed decision on the back end is is extraordinarily valuable. Yeah, I would imagine that that is the case. And then you do have the system that if a physician utilizes your service and you know has you create an employee handbook, um, and then they become a member of CEDAR, is that correct, and can stay on and um, kind of look to you for support and guidance, expert, you know, legal expertise as necessary? Correct. So the handbook is sort of the base product, you know, and, and um, but, but the ongoing support, and it's basically a month-to-month membership that you, that you get, um, is maybe even, and of course I'm biased because, <laughs> um, you know, of involved with both, but it's maybe even more valuable because having someone to call in a situation when you have an employee situation, you know, an, an employee issue, uh, is, is you know, you, you can read your policies, you've got your policies, and your policies are important to protect you. Um, but also knowing, hey, this isn't exactly covered and I just want somebody who knows what they're doing to talk me through this. Um, that's also really valuable. And I don't think that you can find that level of expertise and that level of support elsewhere. No, it's almost like you're a legal touchstone, you know, where they can kind of pick up the phone and and get expert advice on something, you know, before it becomes a major problem. Correct, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, in your experience now with CEDA, um have you found that there are kind of some employee issues that are like, well, that's most likely going to happen at some point during the course of your career as a, as a doctor because it happens to almost everybody? I mean, is there anything like, you know, like a most likely employee issue that can become a problem? Hmm. Now, that's a good question. I think uh, two things come to mind that are tricky that you – you know, that I consult with people a lot on, that it's easy to go wrong, but they pop up a lot. Uh, the first one is a termination of someone who is, is in a protected class, someone who's risky to terminate. So maybe you have someone with a disability who's currently pregnant, uh, who's a minority, you know, those, those types of things, and they're not performing, and you need to know, what do I need to do to not get sued by this person? So a risky termination would be the first issue that comes to mind. Um, the second issue that comes to mind is leave administration, so a leave of absence. Now, whether someone's needing to go out and have surgery themselves um, or uh, maybe it's a maternity leave, uh, some, these issues are sometimes very difficult to manage because each one looks different. There are laws that apply, and you're not always certain which laws apply. Um, and so, but, but it does come up you know, pretty frequently in the, in the life cycle of a business. So those are the two big ones that can be risky and difficult, but that come up frequently. Yeah, that that makes absolute sense. And when you think of a risky termination, and then like you said, then you kind of categorize it into, you know, there are many categories underneath which could be a risky, you know, termination and how you handle each one. You know, obviously I would imagine it's completely different. You know, let me ask you, this is kind of more of a personal question, I guess, because, you know, you are within the employment law field, but is there any specific aspect or feature or subject that is your personal favorite, you know, um, to discuss? Oh, that's great. Um, 
You know, I've always preferred, even, even when I was in law school, to read laws that are sort of hot off the presses, brand new, brand new just enacted legislation. Um, and right now the big trend is paid sick leave requirements at the state and local level. Um, we're seeing states like California, Massachusetts, um, many other states and cities have enacted minimum paid sick leave requirements that apply to almost all employers. Um, so I really enjoy reading, comparing these laws to one another. Um, it's sort of my pet project here at Peter. Um, and I really get a lot of satisfaction out of updating our members. So what we do when a new law comes down mm -hmm. is we look at it, we look at how it impacts our people, and, it, and then we, we actually reach out and, you know, to, our, to our people with our handbook. We say, hey, your law has changed, and now you need to update your policies with us. Let us help you do that. Um, and that's a really fun process, and it's one of my favorite things to do here. Oh, that's fantastic. So you really do keep abreast of of new laws as, as they're enacted on a daily basis, almost, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it is. It's, we kind of watch them as they go through the the legislative process. And, you know, you remember from, like, eighth grade civics class you know, how, a, how a bill becomes a law, so we'll kind of watch them. And when they come out, we make sure that our people stay current and compliant. Now, you know, um, Grace, many, many people obviously, you know, make the automatic leap, if you will, from the word attorney to the words legal action. Um, you know, what I think communicating with an employee, you know, the goal of CEDAR is to mitigate or resolve a problem rather than moving into legal action. Um, are you also involved at that level, um, or do you only work on specific legal questions for the practice? Yes. Yeah, it's great. A lot of the conversations that we as advisors have with our members, and myself included, um, are more on that soft skill or communication sort of level. We do a lot of, hey, th these are good management techniques, because good management techniques can keep you legally safe. So they're not wholly unrelated and they're not mutually exclusive. Um, so we are, as you, as you kind of pointed out, we're at the pre-adversarial process. Um, and our goal for our members is to anticipate, prevent, resolve issues before they get anywhere close to that legal action that we think of when we think of attorneys. Um, and some common examples of that um, maybe are just something like assisting with coaching an employee who has an attitude problem. Um, or. Uh, managing your team through a big change in your business structure. So those, those might seem very simple and like, well, how is that even related to my legal risk? Um, but, you know, if you are forward thinking and if you are working with an expert in this area, you can, you can make your life a lot easier and you can really reduce your risk. Well, so you're blending legal expertise and common sense negotiation to resolve a problem <laughs> before it's even started. That's Right. Such an advanced and refreshing approach. Um, I, I love mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. now based on your experience working, you know, with these many medical practices, and you know, we kind of discussed, you know, overtime is a new issue within the Department of Labor, as is paid sick leave. I mean, these are, are new guidelines that are being set forth, and you know, vacation time, I would imagine, is next on the list. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any other common mm -hmm. areas of employee discontent? Do you feel? Hmm. You know, 
when you talk about sort of black and white benefits of employment, those are things that are, are measurable, such as like pay, vacation, sick time, those sorts of things. Um, but one of the less tangible but more important or common areas of employee discontent, I think is being unhappy with, with how they're being managed or what the expectations of a position are. Um, you know, if a, if a doctor's not being clear about expectations or um, is treating employees differently or is simply, sometimes all the good intentions are there, but they're just simply too, too busy to focus on these things, um, it can re- lead to you know, a really poisonous work environment that will sour employee relations regardless of how much they're being paid and regardless of what kind of fringe benefits they're getting. Um, and so one of the things that, that we try to do is uh, provide resources to make that work environment better and to make the, the management of employees something that's easier for people who are maybe didn't, didn't get their undergraduate in management. You know, a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of surgeons probably focus more on biology or chemistry. Uh, so, so having that to kind of layer on top of what you offer uh, to employees, offering a, a good place to work is something that isn't, you know, measurable in dollars but can be really profitable for a business and can also just, just make your life as an owner a lot easier. You know, Grace, we have about four and a half minutes left on the show, and and I could talk to you all day about these issues um, because I I do find it fascinating. You know, and I and I and I agree with you. I think you know one of the 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 buzzwords in you know the last decade or so in business is more the culture. You know, what is your culture Mm -hmm. of a business? And of course, you know, you get you know the perceived culture that you know working for Apple is cool and it's a big right. game and it's really youthful, you know, and, and I and I do think that kind of attitude can parlay over into a physician's practice because I definitely do see some practices where they really have a great team and they really have where, you know, the, the physician owner really does have a great connection with the employees mm-hmm. and listens to them and then there's always, you know, the practice that does not have that. Um, is there anything that you can recommend, you know, to a physician on maybe, you know, how they can learn and work with CEDAR to help them really develop that culture where they do have a happy staff and they do, you know, put out a great productive team that is compliant and, you know, is just creating a really good environment? Right. So, you know, obviously I would say that's one of the things that our services can can add to a business. So utilizing solution center support, getting a great handbook in place, um, and, and utilizing support meaning, you know, th- these issues are a lot easier to easier to address at the beginning. You know, so a lot of times our members will say, oh, sorry, I, I called about such a minor issue. And I kind of usually say, I'm glad you called now. You know, please continue to call me now before this becomes an issue. Don't call me the day before you want to fire someone um, after not giving it very much consideration. So um, calling us and using us very frequently, even if you're not sure you have an issue, we're always really happy to talk about how to prevent that issue that hasn't even popped up yet. 
Yeah, and I and you know I would imagine um, is and and this is only something that only you can answer is is the physician owner the one who sees the problems in the practice or is it more the practice manager or the office manager or, or somebody else who you know because again I, I do see many doctors kind of they come in they look at their chart for the day they look at their schedule mm-hmm. they go into surgery and they go 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 and perhaps can't be quite as, you know, observant of seeing, well, you know, every time I walk past right. Annie, she has not going to smile on her face, you know. Right, um, right. No, they're they're not always the ones to see, and um, we are always happy to talk to someone who, uh, you know, we're always going to be acting in the in, in our members' best interest, our doctor's best interest. Um, but many of our members choose to delegate the, the actual day-in, day-out management to a practice manager, an office manager. Um, and if they authorize that person, we at CEDAR will always speak with that person um, who might have better first-hand knowledge about what's going on with each employee. You know, as just one last, um, you know, qu- not question, but one last thing, you know, just to discuss if there is any one message that you would really like to leave our listeners with in terms of, employment issues, employment law, and making sure you're well protected, what would that be? Hmm. You know, I would say that, you know, the the takeaway word would be be proactive. You know, proactive is is the word that comes to mind um, because the, the riskiest situations that I have seen are the ones that have gone... Uh, either ignored on purpose or unnoticed. Um, and so having, you know, if you're not able to be proactive yourself, meaning you're, you're too busy or it's not a priority, getting resources in place that can help you be proactive um, is really going to be one of the best things you can do for your business. Wow. Well, great. I know that many of our listeners would want to, um, you know, get in touch with you. I'll get in touch with an expert at CEDAR. And so if you wouldn't mind just telling our listeners the best way for them to reach you. Right, of course. Thank you. Um, so so we're located at, at uh, our website is www.cedarsolutions.com. And CEDAR is an acronym. It is C-E-D-R solutions.com. And our main number is uh, 866-414-6056. And we're always ha- happy to talk t- talk to you about your needs. Um, and talk to you about our services. Great. Well, Grace, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider and for just giving us such amazing, valuable information on um, employment law for cosmetic and plastic surgeons. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's nice to to be able to be a nerd about human resources and employment law. (laughs) Oh, you're not a nerd. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.